Okay, I know you didn't plan for your life to look like this. Neither did I. And I know it feels like you've lost so much. But I keep hearing God whisper, I am right here. And there is more. I'm Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Let's talk about loneliness for a second. It's something that all single moms have to deal with, but one of the reasons it's so frustrating is that it is not a one-size-fits-all kind of a thing. Your experience with loneliness is going to be totally different than mine, and oddly enough, being in a relationship usually doesn't fix it. To learn more about the roots of your own experience with loneliness and what those roots are telling you that you really need, take our What's Your Loneliness Type quiz over at plusoneparents.org. Boundaries. I know you have heard about them. They are a huge buzzword. But understanding boundaries is not always so straightforward, and actually putting what we learn into practice can be even more difficult. And I have to tell you, one of the things that made this easiest for me to understand was actually something that happened with my five-year-old daughter. You see, we live in Tennessee, and here in Tennessee, almost nobody has fences to block off their property, at least not in my neighborhood. And that means that I have a front row seat to six other properties that back up to my yard. Now, for my daughter, this has actually been a super wonderful blessing for her because she has two sweet little friends who are about her same age who live in a house that's adjacent to our property. And so for the three of them, it is the best thing when they can look out the window, see their buddy, and say, hey, do you want to play? And they run back and forth through each other's homes. And sometimes, though, there's been some drawbacks to this for me personally. One time they came into the house, they flung the door open, muddy boots, tromped all the way down to my daughter's bedroom to put on princess dresses. Now, I have to say, these are girls after my own heart, if they're going to be wearing princess dresses and muddy boots together. But on the other hand, our living room rug has never looked the same since this incident. And this was all going well like this, the girls going back and forth and playing together for months until one day our neighbors decided that they wanted to put up a fence. You see, they'd gotten a dog and some chickens, and I wouldn't blame them, honestly, if they wanted a little privacy too. But as this fence was going up section by section, I could see the disappointment on these girls' faces. They knew that this was going to be much harder for them when it came to getting to play together. They knew it meant they were probably going to have to rely on their very busy mothers of three in order to make a play date happen. And they knew how frustrating that was going to be. And I could just see the disappointment on their faces. And now when my daughter wants to play with her friends, she'll stand at the base of that fence and say, guys, (laughs) and it's just hoping to get a response back. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. And as I was watching my daughter go through this emotional experience of, on the one hand, having been able to have access to her friends, and then on the other hand, then having almost no access at all, it hit me. This is the way that we usually treat boundaries a lot of the time. We, a lot of the times, feel that it might be this all or nothing thing that maybe even we're made one way or the other. But with that in mind, if that's not really the case, how can we set healthy boundaries? If this way that we're handling this isn't really working for us, 
How do we figure out what to do? Now, before we can really even set good boundaries, we have to know what side of the fence we are on, literally. Like, how do we normally approach this subject? And it can be different for different circumstances. It might be with one type of relationship or one person you behave one way, and it might be with another person or another circumstance that you do something else. But identifying what the patterns are can help us to start sorting out where we are and where we want to go to. So on the one hand, this can look like having no boundaries, very low boundaries, no fences, if you will. You know, if you think about that first instance where the girls could come and go as they wanted to. Sometimes we do this with our hearts. It's like our house has no door and people can just walk right in with their muddy boots and tromp around and do whatever they want. And it hurts us. It hurts us because then we are accommodating other people and we're being there for them, but then we're not sure why it doesn't come back our way. We're left wondering, like, does anybody really see me and my needs? Is anybody able to be there for me? Or we maybe even feel like, well, I guess this is just how I'm wired. This is my lot in life is I'm supposed to be there for everyone, help them fix everything. And maybe someday, some way it will come back to me. And this is dangerous for us because unhealthy people know what a person with low or no boundaries looks like. They know when a person will just fling the door open, when we maybe overshare or we overinvest really early in a relationship. They know what that looks like and they go towards those types of situations. They make themselves at home. They sit down on the couch and they eat your chicken, <laughs> you know, and it's something then that they make themselves very comfortable and then they leave when it suits them and they come back when it suits them because they know there's no boundary there. There's no accountability that that access is going to be free to you. On the other side of this, though, this can look like when my neighbors put the fence up and it was unscalably high for my five-year-old. Sometimes with the way that we approach relationships, we do the same thing. We might wall up. We might isolate, not really share what we're going through, not make ourselves vulnerable. And on the one hand, this can feel like you're doing what you need to do to protect yourself and to keep yourself safe. And maybe in the past you really did need to, and I understand that. There are circumstances, especially when we're young, that we're not supposed to be subjected to, that we end up then needing to rely on ourselves in order to stay safe. I get that. But what happens as time goes on is we get really used to operating that way. And it sends a message to other people that can sometimes be confusing. And sometimes maybe they just think that you prefer things that way. But a lot of times then it means that if they're unsure, they may not come knocking anymore. And then you might be left wondering, why does it always seem like there's nobody that I can really rely on, nobody that I can really get close to, nobody who sticks around or who stays? But the good news is when we learn about how to have healthy boundaries, healthy boundaries allow us flexibility. They allow us the ability not to have to go one way or the other, but to be able to learn how we can let healthy people towards us to pour good into our lives and how we have the ability then to move ourselves away from people and circumstances that are not healthy for us that are not going to help us to grow into the people that God has made us to be. So with this in mind, if there is this other third option, what is it? <laughs> what is it? How do we do it? 
How do we set healthy boundaries? Healthy boundaries actually start with you. They actually start with knowing who you are, what you have, what you carry inside of you, and what you need. Now, I learned this actually from the Bible. I learned this through a conversation that Jesus has with his disciples in Luke 9 and Matthew 10. And it's really difficult because the, like this, is, this chapter is not called like Jesus teaches you how to set boundaries. So it's hard to find these things sometimes in the Bible, but they are actually there. All the guidance that we need is there. And in this conversation, Jesus is talking to his disciples about the fact that he's going to send them out to preach the gospel. There's a time that he knows he's not always going to be there with them and that they're going to be going into these strange lands and these strange places where they don't know anybody. And they're going to be putting themselves in a situation that might be a little bit uncomfortable. And Jesus wants to make sure that they have the tools to navigate those situations. So these are two parallel accounts. And so the story is told a little differently in Luke and Matthew. There's different details that are given there to give us the full picture. I'm going to start with Luke 9. In verse 1, it says, One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and heal all diseases. Now, right off the bat, this is telling us what those disciples are carrying with them, what they have inside of them that is valuable. Jesus has given them this power that they're to go into these places and to share. Now, a lot of times we don't necessarily even know what that is that we have to share. But if we look at the example of my daughter being able to go back and forth to her friends' houses, I can tell you, she knows exactly what a value is inside that house. <laughs> she knows her friends are there. She knows what toys they have. She knows what snacks they have. She's got the whole rundown. So if she wants to take part in some of that good, she knows exactly where to go to get it. And this should be the same with us. We should know more about the way that God has uniquely wired us and the things that he has for us to share but also the things that could be really of value to other people that they may want to take advantage of. So we walk with wisdom into these situations. And that's where we continue on. It says, Then he sent them out to tell everybody about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Take nothing for your journey, Jesus instructed. Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. This is verses two through four. And in these verses, Jesus is talking about what the disciples don't have. He's talking about what they need. So where they're gonna walk in with this thing of value, they're also gonna walk in very vulnerable. They're gonna walk in very obvious to this new place that they're not carrying any bags with them. And these are gonna be strange men <laughs> with no backpacks, no suitcases that they're wheeling in. And so it's gonna be obvious right off the bat though that these men are in need in some way. And Jesus is highlighting that in these interactions that we will have in our lives, there's going to be spaces where we're going to, we're going to be in need too. And sometimes that's uncomfortable for us. But as we flip over to the Matthew version of this story, the next thing Jesus says to encourage them is don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. Jesus is letting them know, hey, this could be uncomfortable like if I'm the disciples, I'm thinking, are you sure, Jesus, like we couldn't like take a toothbrush? <laughs> like, could we maybe like book an Airbnb just to make sure, you know, if there's, you know, no good place to stay in this town. And Jesus is saying, don't be nervous about accepting the blessings of other people. 
you're going to need them. But this is also a way that God is able to bless you for the work that you are doing that I'm sending you to do. And so Jesus is giving us the picture here of what it is to have something to offer, but also to be in need. And as he continues, he says, whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if the house is not worthy, let your peace return to you. Jesus is saying here to them, when you first come into this circumstance, when you first come into this situation, don't just take the first offer that comes along. He's saying, do some digging, find out, ask some questions, find out who seems to be a person who can meet you where you're at. And then he says, if everything looks okay, go, go ahead, go closer, see what they have to offer, see how they treat you. And Jesus says, if those people are able to meet you where you're at, go ahead and stay there. Enjoy the connection and the time together. Share what you have of value inside of you. Jesus recognizes though this can be trial and error because sometimes we might step closer to a situation. We might go to the house, as he's saying, and find out, wow, this person actually is not able to meet me where I'm at. They're either not willing or they're not able. It may mean that they saw what was the value of you, but they're not really willing to reciprocate. They're not willing to meet you at the same what, at the same level, at the same way that you're investing. And Jesus is saying in that moment, if that happens, any piece that of, of yourself, any piece of your peace that you've extended, let it come back to you. And he's literally saying then, peace out, leave. <laughs> he's saying, remove yourself from that situation. And don't feel bad about that if you determine that this is not a, a situation where there's mutuality that's happening here. He actually goes on further to say, and if a town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned them to their fate, abandoned these people to their fate. Those are some pretty harsh words, abandon them to their fate. But Jesus is saying here that if you're in a situation where you're vulnerable and there's giving and receiving that can happen and you're not being met, that it's not upon you to force that to continue to happen. That the right thing to do in that instance may be to remove yourself. It doesn't mean that you failed. It means that this connection is not fitting for you. Jesus highlighted here that peace is what's being exchanged. He said, give your peace, but if it's not being met with peace, take it back. So if you're in relationships with people where that peace is not being cultivated and exchanged, it's not wrong for you to need to step away from that person. And that is what boundary setting is really all about. If you're like me, you've probably already seen so many red flags in your life that you could cut them up and make yourself a lovely evening gown out of them. I have wasted so much time and tears in unhealthy relationships and mostly because I just didn't even understand red flags. And here's what I found out. Red flags aren't just for dating relationships. They are for all relationships. And what we don't know can really hurt us. With this in mind, Plus One Parents has created a class called Red Flags in Dating, what they mean and how to make sure you don't miss them. 
This is a single session class, and in this class, you'll discover why red flags even matter in the first place. You'll learn the obvious and the not-so-obvious signs of a person who is emotionally unavailable or abusive, and you'll also learn what you need to know instead to meet a godly match. You can actually start this class right now, today, when you join the Plus One Parents Collective All Access Membership, and you can do that by going over to plusoneparents.org. So we see here that boundary setting is actually this really flexible thing. It allows us to step into situations that might be uncertain and just invest a little and see what happens. And if we're met, we can continue and invest a little more and see what happens. And if we're not met, then we have the ability to say, you know what, this is not a healthy situation for me and step away from that situation. So Knowing that that is really what healthy boundaries look like and how they allow us to move, how do we actually start with this? (laughs) As I said, it can be really uncomfortable. And a lot of the times when we're stepping into this, it's going to feel like foreign. It's going to feel like I'm actually going against, against the way that God designed me. But when it comes to setting healthy boundaries, it's not even really at the outset about us and another person. We actually should know our boundaries as we step into relationships with people. And that means the key is knowing you. Healthy boundaries start with you. They start with you knowing who you are, what you carry, how you're wired, what you have, but then also knowing maybe some of those areas where you need things, where you need other people, where you need input of others into your life. And so I want to give you one clear basic action step for you to start stepping into this in ways that will allow you to grow in your relationships and help to manage some of that anxiety that you might feel around putting yourself into a vulnerable situation. So this one action step is figuring out how you're wired. (laughs) It's figuring out who you are, what you have, and what you need. Romans 12 talks about each of us in the body of Christ as a physical body, like a body part. And it talks about the fact that each of the body parts does different things, but needs the other parts of the body in order to function well. And so if we think about a set of eyes, eyes are great at seeing, but if eyes want to get a closer look at what they're seeing, they need feet in order to be able to walk closer to that. So while the eyes might be great at seeing, they're actually better at doing what they do when they have the feet to take them closer to the things that they want to observe. And so we think about the body, that people that are in our inner circle, that we do life with, that are in our closest relationships. We need to understand what is my part and what is the parts that I can't do for myself. And so the ways that we're able to do this is looking at different methods that help us to figure out how we were wired. You know, sometimes when it comes to these things, they're so natural to us, our our gifts and our abilities and our talents, they're so natural to us that we don't even see them. And then we don't even necessarily think they're all that special. (laughs) And so when we think about ways that we can assess this, one of the first tools that I love is something like a spiritual gifts test. And I love this because this section of Romans 12 that talks about each of us being like a part of the body actually then goes on to talk about spiritual gifts and how these are ways that God is moving through his body and through his church, through his people. And so it's being able to take a test like that. We have one actually in the Plus One Parents Collective, but 
to be able to understand from a spiritual perspective, what are some things that I'm sensing have have to do with like my calling, you know, and, and what God is working through in my story to to strengthen me in to bring into the lives of other people. I think it's so important we understand ourselves. We can't understand ourselves without understanding the God who created us. And when we understand that God not only is all these things, but he gives all these things, and we know, wow, this is actually a piece of God himself inside of me. This is the Holy Spirit operating inside of me. So that's one thing I really like. The next thing is just listen. Talk to God, ask him, (laughs) Um, but also listen to other people around you. Listen to what people say. Wow, you're really good at that. You know, I never thought I had a talent for writing. I never thought I was a very creative person. And, you know, part of what happened was I was observing other creative people around me and thinking, well, I'm not as creative as them. Right. But it didn't mean I wasn't creative. It actually meant I was creative in a different way. Just because somebody is a creative person at painting doesn't mean they're a creative person when it comes to building something. All these different ways that these gifts are expressed. And so it's important, though, that we listen to those times and we think about back in our lives, like where along the journey have people told me, well, you're good at that. And sometimes we're nervous about receiving compliments. Sometimes we don't take those in. Sometimes they we just feel like, oh, maybe they're being nice, you know. But what if we really listened? And what if we really measured that against what we see and what we're feeling when we're talking to God, what he wants to show us? Circumstances where he's put us in our lives to use those gifts and to grow those gifts. And then the last one is to look at other research-based personality tools that help us to just determine some of the ways that we might uniquely be put together. And one of my favorites is sometimes it's called... 16 16 personalities or something like that, but it's the Myers-Briggs basically. And I like this because it is something that observes ways that we can know through actual research that these are ways that we are all different in the ways that we're put together. So for example, introversion and extroversion. This is something, I did an episode with Holly Girth a while back, so good about understanding the difference between introverts and extroverts. And that these are differences that actually can be observed in the brain. Like we can look at scans and we can look at the way that these different brains function and see that these differences are not just even preferences, but they have to do with the way that God has uniquely created each one of us. And when I know my tendencies, whether I'm more of an introvert or an extrovert, then I know this is how I engage in relationships. This is where some of my strong points are. These are where some of my weak points are. These are some of the places where I need to grow and I need to learn from other people who might be the opposite from me. And I think that's sometimes when we think about iron sharpening iron, sometimes that's people who are gifted in the same ways that we are and can help us grow in that. And then sometimes it's by us employing that gift in a place or in a relationship with a person who doesn't necessarily have that or that we have to receive their gift to refine our ourselves. And so I think that these tools all together can help us just create so much more of a picture of our uniqueness. And this is something, especially when you have been in a, an, an unhealthy relationship, an abusive relationship, there's so much of yourself that can get lost. And it's so important that we get back with God to discover who he made us to be all along. 
so that we have the ability to step forward into the future and be excited again about what he might be doing in us and through us. So as I said, sometimes this is going to feel clumsy. It's going to feel wrong. (laughs) It's going to feel so uncomfortable. Sometimes we have built up this persona of like, but this is who I am. I am the one who lays down my life and lets people fix me or lets me fix them. You know, sometimes we create this thought of like, no, I have to be the one to protect myself and I'm a strong person. And sometimes those things are true to some degree, but they can always get out of balance to the point where we're feeling lonely and isolated and disconnected from people because we've gone too far in one direction or the other. And one way that I had to learn this was just learning how to be vulnerable. You know, whether we are just laying ourselves down and expecting nothing in return in our relationships or whether we don't allow people to bring good things into our relationships and, and push away those good influences, either way, we're not practicing vulnerability. We're not practicing what it is to receive good things. And one of the ways that I had to learn to do this, God was good in in giving me little, just bite-sized ways of doing this. But I had a friend who liked to use the app Voxer. If you're not familiar with it, it's basically a voicemail box type of an app where she can leave a voicemail and then I can respond back to her. It's not in real time. So if we, you know, are just busy and can't get to it, then it's there whenever we're ready and it's not going to disappear, you know, anything like that. And so... In engaging with my friend in this way and being able to have daily conversations with her, I had the ability to start opening up my life to her just more and more. And I'm not going to lie. There were times where I would share something and then I would pay the $3.99 to get the pro membership so that I could delete the message and take it back. I was like, I can't share that much with her because if I do, she is going to be like freaked out. But then there would come some times where I was like, you know what? She's shared this way with me before. And healthy people, a lot of times they'll meet you in that place of vulnerability too with their own vulnerabilities. And in seeing her example, I said, you know what? If I'm going to know if this friendship is for real, I'm going to have to let these messages hang. (laughs) I'm going to have to let them be there. And every time, because this friend was a safe friend, every time I was met with understanding and compassion Every time she would say, I can totally see where you're coming from. It didn't mean she didn't challenge me, but she knew the healthy and appropriate way to do that too. And so in growing in that vulnerability and and in understanding myself better, I was able to be so much more grounded in my yes. So much more grounded in understanding, yes, this is a relationship where peace is being exchanged. Yes, this is a place that is healthy for me to give, but also to receive. Yes, this is a place where I can plant myself. But it also made me a lot more sure of my no. It made me far clearer when it came to understanding situations that were not going to be places where that peace was going to be given and received. It made it easier for me to look at other relationships, especially ones that were causing me anxiety and say, you know what? Friendship is not supposed to be like this. Relationships are not supposed to be like this. I know that because now I know what a good one looks like. And so it helped me to be far more grounded in my no. And you know, all of us have been hurt in relationships, but we can be healed in them too. 
Thanks for being with me for this episode today. For more resources for single moms and abuse survivors, join us at plusoneparents.org. You can also catch us on Facebook or Instagram at plusone.parents. Until next time, remember you are seen and you are beloved.